Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Today I'm speaking with senior European analyst Adriano Bissoni about the ongoing trade negotiations between the EU and the UK, again at an impasse. Each side is demanding that the other makes the first move. Adriano, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Emily. Nice talking with you again. Listen, what are the main obstacles to a deal here? There are basically two obstacles to a trade agreement between the EU and the UK. One is the fishing rights. Um, we know that EU coastal countries like France, Belgium, Spain, they want to preserve the current access that they have to British fishing waters, whereas the UK wants to negotiate annual quotas because the British government wants to give more uh, space and more, more fishing rights to its own fishermen. But then there's the so-called level playing field issues. Um, the EU is worried that the UK will deregulate its economy there so much that it will become very competitive vis-a-vis -vis its continental rivals and wants the UK to remain aligned with EU rules on issues like state aid to companies, environmental protection, taxation, workers' rights, and, and so on. The UK, of course, sees this as a matter of national sovereignty. From, from Britain's perspective, they left the EU to be able to introduce their own regulations, and they don't want uh, to exit the EU only to remain linked to EU norms, standards, and, and regulations. Um, there's an additional problem. There's, there's a third problem, if you want. Um, the UK is threatening to ignore some aspects of the exit agreement that it reached with the EU in 2019, which made Brexit possible in, in January of 2020, especially when it comes to provisions to keep the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland open, which was one of the main obstacles uh, to a Brexit deal last year. So to make a long story short, a deal is possible, but there is a lot of mistrust between the EU and the UK. Those are some significant obstacles. What are the main scenarios for the current negotiations? Yeah, there are basically three scenarios. The first is a comprehensive trade agreement that covers everything and that allows for the free movement of goods, services, capital between the EU and the UK. Uh, this is a scenario where there is like little disruption for companies operating in the UK, no matter uh, the sector of the economy in which they are active. There, of course, there could be some bureaucracy, but the flow of manufacturers, agricultural products, professional services, even financial sectors would for the most part remain unchanged if there is a very comprehensive trade agreement. But because of the obstacles that I, that I mentioned in my previous answer, this scenario is improbable because it goes against the British government's strategic goal of taking back control of its domestic policies. As I said before, the UK has just left the European Union and will not accept to remain fully aligned with it. Then there is another scenario, which is a more modest trade agreement. Um, the UK is calling this a Canada-style agreement because the, UK, the EU has a free trade agreement with Canada that is along the lines of what the UK wants. Uh, this is basically a scenario that eliminates tariffs and quotas for goods but um, the free movement of services and capital still faces some disruptions depending on the depth 
of the agreement uh, reached on, on, on those areas. So this is a scenario that would have different impacts depending on the sector of the economy. Manufacturers, uh, agricultural products will almost certainly be covered by such an agreement. But as I said before, the financial sector, professional services and other areas of the economy will be subject to uh, bilateral agreements. So there will be significant uncertainty about, about those areas as well. And this is the kind of agreement that kind of um, prevents a hard British exit from the single market on January the 1st, but still leaves the door open to additional bilateral agreements in the future on those areas that were not covered by the main agreement. I think this is, this is a probable scenario. I think uh, the trend is moving in, 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 in this direction. And then, of course, we have the extreme scenario in which the UK exits the single market in January without a deal. Um, if this happens, of course, there will be massive disruption. The, the free movement of goods, services, capital will be um, heavily uh, reduced because the UK and the EU would have to trade using costly World Trade Organization tariffs. Um, but I want to, to stress a point here. This would be disruptive, but this would not be the end of the story. It's not the end of the UK-EU negotiations. Even if the UK exits the single market on January 1st without an agreement, at some point in the future, they would return to the negotiation table there, there because both parties are interested in an agreement. So. Um, yes, I insist it would be highly disruptive, but no, it would not mean that there would never, ever be a free trade agreement between the EU and the UK. It would be a temporary situation. Going beyond the current negotiations, Adriana, what are the main geopolitical challenges that the UK faces in the next few years over this? Yeah, Brexit has opened an interesting phase of uh, Britain's foreign policy because it's not very often that a country has the chance to pretty much press the reset button and, and redesign its foreign policy and decide the kind of country that it wants to be. Um, I think that in the coming years, regardless of what happens with the ongoing negotiations with the EU, the UK's foreign policy will face at least three challenges. Number one is to build global trade relationships. The UK will seek to, on the one hand, replicate those trade agreements that it previously enjoyed as a member of the EU, like the ones with um, Canada, Singapore, South Korea, and so on. But at the same time, it will seek to sign free trade agreements with new countries, uh, such as Australia, New Zealand, or even the United States. Of course, this second part of the strategy will be harder than the first one because you have to negotiate from scratch and every case will be different and the obstacles to a deal will, will, will depend on, on the country you are negotiating with. The second main challenge will be to define a new foreign policy that will have some new elements but also some old elements because the UK's geographic position and the UK's geopolitical imperatives do not change because of Brexit. The UK will continue to be a European country that will remain interested in keeping good political and security ties with continental Europe and will seek, at least in some areas, some alignment with countries like France and Germany. But at the same time, the UK will continue to be an Atlantic country, which will seek coordination with the United States. And we have already seen the, the, the UK trying to align its foreign policy with um, uh, the US on issues like China, for instance. Um, and, and of course, as a former colonial country, the UK will seek to preserve and potentially deepen its ties with the Commonwealth countries. 
this is this is interesting because it's a global network of more than 50 countries with a combined population of 2.5 billion people right uh, and free trade deals with these countries may open up some additional opportunities um, for for the UK of course it's not the silver bullet that will solve all of the UK's problems as, as some politicians are saying but uh, but I do think that the the UK will reach out to the Commonwealth so it will be a multi a multi layered um, foreign policy I think and then the third element is somewhat connected to to what I said in my second answer. Um, because the UK will have to continue negotiating with the European Union. Their relationship is so rich and so deep that no matter uh, the kind of agreement that they reach in 2020, there will be outstanding issues from security cooperation to energy, education, you name it. Um, the UK is leaving the European Union and the single market, but it's not leaving Europe, the continent, right? So they will continue to be engaged with, with Europe for years, you know, if not decades. Thanks, Adriana. Thank you, Emily. You can read more of Adriana Bussoni's analysis of Brexit and Stratfor's ongoing coverage with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.